0: chapter 10 of our friend the charlatan this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org our friend the charlatan by george gissing chapter 10 the dinner went off very well indeed it was not merely her animus against mr robb which supported lady ogram's belief in the future of the liberals at hollingford a certain restiveness could be noted in the public mind heretofore so obedient to the long tory tradition mr breakspear's paper certainly had an increasing sale and an attention to mr robb in public gatherings other than political was not so sure of cordial response as formerly. this might only imply a personal dissatisfaction with the borough's representative who of late had been very visibly fossilizing it would be difficult to explain a marked reaction in hollingford against the tendencies of the country at large still a number of more or less active and intelligent persons had begun to talk of contesting the tory seat and with these the lady at rivenoak held active communication they gathered about her this evening enjoyed the excellent meal provided for them inspected mr dyce lashmar and listened attentively even to his casual remarks mr lashmar might or might not prove to be the candidate of their choice there was plenty of time to think about that in the meantime no one more suitable stood before them and having regard to lady ogram's social authority considerable from one point of view they were very willing to interest themselves in a man of whom she thought so highly very little was definitely known about him he was understood to be a gentleman of means and erudite leisure nor did his appearance conflict with this description now and then dyce's talk had an impressive quality he spoke for the most part in brief pregnant sentences which seemed the outcome of solid thought and no little experience constance bride observing him studiously often admired his grave yet easy bearing his facile yet never careless speech herself in doubt as to his real weight whether as man or politician she carefully watched the impression he produced on others on the whole it seemed to be favourable and once or twice she caught a remark decidedly eulogistic this pleased her like everybody else this evening she was in good spirits mrs toplady much observed and courted but seemingly quite indifferent to homage watched the scene with her eyes of placid good-humour the roguish smile ever and again appearing on her lips she lost no opportunity of letting fall a laudatory word concerning di her demeanour with humdrum persons was courteous amiability almost in excess to the more intelligent she behaved with a humorous frankness which was very captivating at a certain moment of the evening she found occasion to sit down by constance bride and constance would have been more than human had she altogether resisted the charm of that fine contralto modulating graceful compliments mrs toplady had read the report of the social work at shaw it interested her keenly she could not sufficiently admire the philanthropic energy which had been put into this undertaking in so great a part as she heard due to miss bride's suggestions i am glad to hear from lady ogram she said that there is a probability of your being in town before long if so i hope you will let me have a long talk with you about all sorts of things one of them of course must be mr lashmar's candidature saying this mrs toplady beamed with kindness constance noted the words and the look for future reflection at this moment she was occupied with the news that lady ogram thought of going to london no hint of any such intention having before this reached her ear in the course of the afternoon lady ogram had held private colloquy with her guest from the brilliant world a conversation more intimate on her part than any that had ever passed between them such expansion was absolutely necessary to the agitated old lady and she deemed it good fortune that a confidant in whom she put so much trust chanced to be near her speaking of lashmar she mentioned his acquaintance with lord dymchurch and inquired whether mrs toplady knew that modest peer he is only a name to me was the reply and i should rather like to see him in the flesh mr lashmar must bring him to pont street if he can that's what i'm a little doubtful about said lady ogram i've been thinking it might help us if a real live lord casually walked about hollingford with our candidate we have to use means you know the old lady grimaced her scorn and the leader of society smiled one thing mrs toplady had learnt which interested her that her autocratic friends faith in Dice lashmar as a coming man was unaffected and sturdy she mused upon this rivenoak had often supplied entertainment to her sportive mind now as shadows of night were gathering over it there seemed to be preparing in this corner of the human stage a spectacle of unforeseen piquancy also with mr Kerchever, the old lady had had an afternoon's talk her emotion being now more under command she could listen to the solicitor's advice which dissuaded from abrupt action with reference to miss tomalin mr Kerchever thought it would be unwise to reveal all the interest she felt in this late discovered representative of her family had he not better write to mr Rook, saying that his client a widowed lady living at her country house hoped to have the pleasure of making her young relative's acquaintance and would shortly address a letter to miss tomalin this course finally met with lady ogram's approval she agreed to let a week pass before taking the next step whatever the ultimate effect of her joyous agitation for the present it seemed to do her nothing but good she walked with lighter step for herself as though she had thrown off years and all through the evening was a marvel of untiring graciousness and cordiality the reaction came when she found herself at liberty to feel weary but no I, save that of the confidential maid beheld her collapse even whilst being undressed like a helpless infant the old lady did not lose her temper even whilst gulping an unpleasant draught well aware that she was not likely to sleep until dawn if then she smiled at her thoughts the maid wondered what it all meant Dash Lashmore was abundantly satisfied with himself am i doing it well he quietly asked of constance somewhere about ten o'clock and on receiving the reply very well he gave his friend a more benignant smile than he had bestowed upon her since the old days of semi sentimental intimacy he would much have liked to talk over the evening with her before he went to bed as that was impossible he pressed her hand very warmly at leave-taking looking her steadily in the eyes and said in a low voice to-morrow he was greatly satisfied with himself and in consequence felt overflowing with kindliness towards all the sons and daughters of men one by one he reviewed the persons with whom he had conversed how pleasant they were how sensible and well-meaning what excellent material for the formation of a really civilized state they had evidently been impressed with him and on going home would make him the subject of their talk to-morrow his name would sound frequently in several houses always with complimentary adjunct the thought made his pulses throb to be talked of to be admired was the strongest incentive known to him of lady ogram he thought with positive affection to the end of his life he would revere her memory constance bride he esteemed as a loyal friend never would he fail in gratitude to her she should have his confidence and he would often seek her counsel a good able girl of the best modern type last of all there came into his mind the visage of a small impulsive woman with freckled oval face and hair the colour of an autumn elm-leaf iris woolstan to her too how much he was beholden good foolish fidgety iris woolstan never again could he be impatient with her of course he must pay back her money as soon as possible brave little creature light-heartedly sending him her cheque for three hundred pounds why there was something heroic in it yes he acknowledged himself lucky in his woman friends few men could be so fortunate to be sure it was the result of his rational views of his straightforward honest method he saw his way to do noble service in the cause of womanhood and that by following the path of mere common sense all sentimental and so-called chivalrous humbug cast aside all exaggerated new conceptions simply disregarded his bosom swelled with glorious faith in his own future and in that of the world among the guests had figured mr breakspeare looking a trifle fresher than usual in his clean linen and ceremonial black hearing that lashmore was to spend a couple of days more at rivenoak he asked him to dine on the following evening lady ogram readily permitting the invitation i say dine sup would be the better word for i can offer you only simple entertainment we shall be alone i want the full advantage of your talk afterwards if you approve we will look in upon an old friend of mine who would have great satisfaction in exchanging ideas with you something of an original at all events you will find him amusing to this relaxation dyce looked forward with pleasure nearly the whole of the next day he spent in solitude for lady ogram did not appear until the afternoon and then only for an hour mrs toplady took her leave before midday miss bride showed herself only at breakfast and luncheon when she was friendly indeed but not much disposed for talk dyce had anticipated a growth of intimacy with constance he was prepared for long confidential gossip in the library or the garden but his friend briefly excused herself she had a lot of reading and extracting to do you have told me very little about yourself he remarked when she rose to withdraw after luncheon what's there to tell it would interest me to know more of your own thoughts apart from the work you are engaged in oh those are strictly for home consumption said constance with a smile and went her way so dyce paced the garden by himself or read newspapers and reviews or lolled indolently in super comfortable chairs he had promised to write to mrs woolstan and in the morning said to himself that he would do so in the afternoon but he disliked letter-writing shrank at all times indeed from use of the pen and ultimately the duty was postponed till to-morrow his exertions of the evening before had left a sense of fatigue it was enough to savour the recollection of triumph he mused a little from time to time on constance whose behaviour slightly piqued his curiosity that she was much occupied with the thought of him he never doubted but he could not feel quite sure of the colour of her reflections a vexatious incertitude he lazily resolved to bring her to clearer avowal before quitting Rivenoak. At evening the coachman drove him to Hollingford, where he alighted at Mr. Brakespear's newspaper office. The editor received him in a large, ill-kept, barely-furnished room, the floor littered with journals. How will that do, Mr. Lashmar?" was his greeting as he held out a printed slip dyce perused a leading article which without naming him contained a very flattering sketch of his intellectual personality so at least he understood the article ostensibly a summing of the qualifications which should be possessed by an ideal liberal candidate large culture a philosophical grasp of the world's history a scientific conception of human life again thorough familiarity with the questions of the day a mind no less acute in the judgment of detail than broad in its vision of principles moreover genuine sympathy with the aspirations of the average man yet no bias to sentimental weakness with all this the heaven-sent gift of leadership power of speech calm and justified self-confidence lashmar's face beamed as he recognized each trait Shakespeare, the while, regarded him with half-closed eyes in which twinkled a world of humour a little too generous i'm afraid dyce remarked at length thoughtfully not a bit of it cried the editor scratching the tip of his nose where he had somehow caught a spot of ink "Ball facts honest portraiture it doesn't displease you how could it i only hope i may be recognised by such of your readers as have met me you certainly will be i shall follow this up with a portrait of the least acceptable type of conservative candidate wherein all will recognize our parliamentary incubus thus do we open the great campaign if you would care to pray keep that proof some day it may amuse you to look at it and to recall these early days of our acquaintance now i will take you to my house which i need not say you honor by this visit you are a philosopher and simplicity will not offend you they walked along one or two main streets the journalist still ink spotted on the nose nodding now and then to an acquaintance and turned at length into a byway of dwelling-houses which did not indeed suggest opulence but were roomy and decent at one of the doors brakespeare paused turned the handle and ushered in his guest almost immediately dyce was presented to his hostess on whose thin but pleasant face he perceived with satisfaction a reverential interest mrs breakspeare had few words at her command and was evidently accustomed to be disregarded she knew that her husband admired intellectual women and that he often privately lamented his mistake in marriage but none the less was she aware that he enjoyed the comfort of his home to her a sufficient recompense like many a man Breakspeare would have been quite satisfied with his wife if at the same time he could have had another he heartily approved the domestic virtues it would have exasperated him had the mother of his children neglected home duties for any intellectual pursuit yet as often as he thought of miss bride contemptuous impatience disturbed his tranquillity he desired to unite irreconcilable things his practical safeguard was a humour which after all never allowed him to take life too seriously a boy of sixteen the eldest of seven children sat down to table with them Brakespeare made a slight apology for his presence adding genially "Menenisse, you wabit the meal was more than tolerable the guest thoroughly enjoyed himself talking with as little affectation as his nature permitted and with a sense of his own graciousness often addressing to mrs breakspeare a remark on the level of her intelligence when you come down to hollingford said the journalist i suppose you will generally stay at lady ogram's possibly was the reply but i think i had better decide which is to be my hotel when i have need of one will you advise me in that matter Brakespeare recommended the house, which Lashmar already knew, and added hints concerning the political color of leading tradesfolk. When they rose, the host reminded Dice of his suggestion that they should go and see an old friend of his, one Martin Blades. We shall find him smoking his pipe with a jug of beer at his elbow. Martin is homely, but a man of original ideas, and he will appreciate your visit so they set forth and walked for a quarter of an hour towards the outskirts of the town mr blades who held a small municipal office lived alone in a very modest dwelling his attendant a woman of discreet years as breakspeare had foretold he was found sitting by the fireside the evening was cool enough to make a fire agreeable a churchwarden between his lips and a brown jug of generous capacity on the table beside him as the door opened he turned a meditative head and blinked myopically at his visitors before rising his movements were very deliberate his smile which had the odd effect of elevating one eyebrow and depressing the other made him look as if he were about to sneeze not without ceremony Brakespeare presented his companion whom the old man his years touched on seventy greeted in the words of belshazzar to daniel i have heard of thee that the spirit of the gods is in thee and that light and wisdom and excellent understanding are found in thee be seated mr lashmar be seated friend Breakspear. put your toes on the fender mr lashmar my drink is ale an honest tap which i have drunk for some three score years and which never did me harm will you join me with pleasure mr blades a touch upon the bell summon the serving-woman mrs ricketts another jug of the right amber and two beakers i know not if you smoke mr lashmar why that's right two yards of broseley also mrs ricketts breakspeare had produced his pouch which he opened and held to martin here's a new mixture my own blending which i should like you to try i see your pipe is empty mercy," replied the other with a wave of the hand i stick to my own mundungus any novelty disturbs my thoughts offer it to mr lashmar who might find this weed of mine a trifle rank here comes the jug what say you to that for a head mr Lashmore? a new nine-gallon tap before breakfast this morning now running clear and cool as a mountain burn what would life be without this elsewhere our ale degenerates not many honest brewers are left druggists wine and the fire of the distilleries will wreck our people whenever you have a chance mr lashmar speak a word for honest ale time enough is wasted at westminster they may well listen to a plea for the source of all right feeling and right thinking amber ale dyce soon understood that here at all events he was not called upon for eloquence or disquisition martin blades had become rather dull of ear and found it convenient to do most of the talking himself now and then he turned his sneeze menacing smile this way or that and a remark always claimed his courteous attention but in general his eyes were fixed on the glow of the fireplace whilst he pursued a humorous ramble from thought to thought topic to topic evidently of local politics he knew nothing and recked not at all he seemed to take for granted that lashmar was about to sit in parliament for hollingford and that the young man represented lofty principles rarely combined with public ambition you may do something i don't know i don't know things are bad i fear and likely to be worse we had hopes mr lashmar when the world and i were young in those days there was such a thing as zeal for progress and progress didn't necessarily mean money you know my view of the matter friend breakspear two causes explain the past we've come to the power of women and the tyranny of finance how does that touch you mr lashmar finance yes dyce replied it's the curse of the modern world but women yes yes the monstrous regiment of women as the old writer hath it look at the diseases from which we are suffering materialism and hysteria the one has been intensified and extended the other has newly declared itself since women came to the front no materialist like a woman give her a voice in the control of things and good-bye to all our ideals hard cash military glory glittering and clanging triumph these be the gods of a woman's heart thought and talk drowned by a scream nerves worried into fiddle-strings we had our vain illusion we were generous in our manly way open the door let the women come forth and breathe fresh air justice for wives an open field for those who will not or cannot wed we meant well but it was a letting out of the waters there's your idle lady with the pretty face who wants to make laws for the amusement of breaking them as a jewel of gold in a swine's snout so is a fair woman without discretion there's your hard-featured woman who thinks that nobody in the world but she has brains and our homes are tumbling about our heads because there's no one to look after them one man among a thousand have I found, but a woman among all those have I not found. Back with them to nursery and kitchen, pantry and herb garden. Back with them, or we perish. Dice wore a broad smile. He knew that he himself would have spoken thus had he not been committed to another way of talking. Brakespeare too smiled, but with only half assent. He reserved his bigamous alternative. Martin Blades took a long draught from his beaker. Puffed half a dozen rings of smoke and pursued his diatribe in the same good-natured growl the fury to get rich who is so responsible for it as the crowd of indolent luxurious and vain women the frenzy to become notorious almost entirely women's work the spirit of reckless ambition in public life encouraged by the sex which has never known the meaning of responsibility decay of the arts inevitable result of the predominance of little fools who never admired anything but art in millinery revival of delight in manslaying what woman could ever resist a uniform let them be let them be why should they spoil our ale and tobacco friend Brakespeare, how's your wife now there mr lashmore there's a woman such as i honour she will do him good and not evil all the days of her life a woman of the bygone day gentle but strong silent and wise give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates mr lashmore, your beaker stands empty, so by the by, does the jug, Mrs. Ricketts. The little room contained many books, mostly old and such as had seen long service. As his habit was, when a friend sat with him, Mr. Blades presently reached down a volume, and on opening it became aware of a passage which sent him into crowing laughter. Ha ha, friend Shakespeare, here's something for thee thou art the sophist of our time and list how the old wise man spoke of thy kind they do but teach the collective opinion of the many tis their wisdom forsooth i might liken them to a man who should study the temper or the desires of a great strong beast which he has to keep and feed he learns how to approach and handle the creature also at what times and for what cause it is dangerous or the reverse what is the meaning of its several cries and by what sounds it may be soothed or infuriated furthermore when by constantly living with the huge brute he has become perfect in all this he calls it philosophy and makes a system or art of it which forthwith he professes one thing he names honourable another base this good that evil this just that unjust all in accordance with the tastes and words of the great animal which he has studied from its grunts and snarls ha ha friend break does it touch thee? comes it not something near nay nay take it not in dudgeon tis old plato who speaks what i cried the journalist gaily i am infinitely obliged to you the passage shall do me yeoman service turned against the enemy for it is not i who speak for the many at hollingford as well you know we liberals are the select the chosen spirits the mighty brute is toryism only the fear of reaching rivenoak at too late an hour constrained lashmar to rise at length and take his leave i hope you will let me come and see you again mr blades he exclaimed heartily as he grasped the old man's hand here you will commonly find me mr lashmar after eight o'clock and if you bear with my whimsies i shall thank you for your company this ale i try to believe will last my time if a company corrupted i forswear all fermented liquor and go to the grave on mere element honest water which ne'er left man in the mire but i hope better things i hope better things and what do you think of martin asked the journalist as he and lashmar walked to the nearest place where a vehicle could be obtained for the drive to rivenoak a fine old cynic answered dyce i hope often to drink ale with him luckily it doesn't compromise you martin belongs to no party and gives no vote i could tell you a good story about his reception of a canvasser a lady by jove at the last election but i'll keep it till we meet again as you are in a hurry you have put me in spirits mr lashmar may it not be long before i next talk with you meanwhile i dig the trenches ale and strong tobacco to both of which he was unaccustomed wrought confusingly upon dyce's brain as he was borne through the night he found himself murmuring the name of constance and forming a resolve to win her to intimacy on the morrow yes he liked constance after all then came a memory of martin blades's diatribe and he laughed approvingly but constance was an exception the best type of modern woman after all he liked her again they two breakfasted together dyce gave a mirthful description of his evening and gaily reported mr blades's eloquence on the subject of woman on the whole i agree with him said constance and i know of course that you do indeed you agree with him so does every sensible person but the subject doesn't interest me i hate talk about women we've had enough of it it has become a nuisance a can't like any other a woman is a human being not a separate species why of course cried lashmar just what i am always saying say it no more interrupted his companion there are plenty of other things to talk about whereupon she finished her cup of coffee nodded a leave-taking and went at a brisk pace from the room dyce continued his meal meditative a trifle wounded in self-esteem later in the morning he saw constance wheeling forth her bicycle he ran and gained her side before she had mounted as you are going out why shouldn't we have a walk together give up your ride this morning i'm very sorry i can't constance answered pleasantly the exercise is necessary for me but just this once impossible the morning is too fine and the road's too good she sprang into the saddle and was off much to Dice's mortification he had not dreamt that she could refuse his request and he had meant to talk with such generous confidence such true comradeship it was even his intention to tell constance that he looked more for her sympathy and aid than for that of any one else surely this would have been very gratifying to her she could not but have thanked him with real feeling at luncheon miss bride was obviously unrepentant one would have said that it amused her to notice the slight coldness which lashmar put into his manner towards her she had never seemed in better spirits in the afternoon dyce was summoned to a private interview with lady ogram it took place in an upstairs room he had not yet entered his hostess sat before a wood-fire though the day was warm and her face now and then had a look of suffering but she spoke cheerfully and in a tone of much kindness well have you enjoyed your stay with me you must come down again presently but in the meantime you'll be busy Go and see mrs toplady and get to know all the useful people you can we shall be working here for you of course miss bride will keep you posted about everything the dark eyes at this moment pain troubled were reading his countenance i needn't tell you lady ogram continued that miss bride has my entire and perfect confidence i don't think i'm easily deceived in people and even before she spoke to me of you i had made up my mind that in some way or other she must be given a chance of doing something in life you know all about her ways of thinking perhaps better than i do in the pause which followed dyce was on the point of disclaiming this intimacy but the drift of lady ogram's talk exciting his curiosity prevailed to keep him silent he bent his look and smiled modestly she's one of the few women went on his friend who do more than they promise she'll never be what is called brilliant she won't make much of a figure in the drawing-room but give her a chance and she'll do things that people will talk about she has powers of organizing i don't know whether you understand how well she is getting to be known by serious workers in the social reform way there's not one of them can write such good letters tell so much in few words but we must give her a chance you and i together dyce was startled his smile died away and involuntarily he turned a look of surprise on the speaker you mean said lady ogram as though answering a remonstrance that you know all about that without my telling you don't be touchy you and i can understand each other well enough if we like what i want to let you know is that i consider she has a claim upon me not in the ordinary sense perhaps i am not quite an ordinary woman and i see things in a way of my own she has a claim upon me because she's one of the few women who have nothing of the baby or the idiot in them and i've been looking out for that sort of all my life if constance bride the voice became slower as if for emphasis is put into a position of trust she'll do all that is expected of her there's no particular hurry she's young enough still and as for you you've got your hands full dyce felt so puzzled that he could not shape a word one thing was growing clear to him but what did the old woman mean by her position of trust how was constance to be given her chance and what exactly was she expected to do well we've had our talk said the old lady moving as if in pain and weariness go back to town to-night or to-morrow morning as you like write to me mind as well as to miss bride and let me know of all the acquaintances you make it's just possible i may be in london myself next month it depends on several things she became dreamy dyce though he would have liked to say much knew not how to express himself it was plain moreover that his hostess had little strength to-day he rose i think i shall catch the evening train lady ogram very well a pleasant journey she gave her hand and dyce thought it felt more skeleton-like than ever certainly her visage was more cadaverous in line and hue than he had yet seen it almost before he had turned away lady ogram closed her eyes and lay back with a sigh so here were his prospects settled for him he was to marry constance bride under some vague conditions which perturbed him almost as much as the thought of the marriage itself impossible that he could have misunderstood and how had lady ogram hit upon such an idea it was plain as daylight that the suggestion had come from constance herself constance had allowed it to be understood that he and she were either formally or virtually affianced he stood appalled at this revelation in a sphere of knowledge which he held to be particularly his own chapter ten